Welcome to the Future Is podcast, where we meet the people shaping what's next in business and life. I'm your host, Laura Kelleher, Honeywell's Chief Marketing Officer. In today's episode, it's all about the world of supply chains, what they look like today and what's coming next. And joining us is Torsten Pills, Honeywell's Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer, to share his expertise and insights. Welcome, Torsten. It's great to have you here today. Well, let's talk about global supply chains. It's been a challenging few years, a lot going on. What are you seeing today, current state and uh, the trends that are driving things? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, uh, Laura. But um, I think um, last couple of years were pretty challenging, and but I do think we see some sort of normalization again. So things are, are still constrained in some areas of the world and some businesses, but uh, you know, the semiconductor crisis behind us. So we lived through that, uh, learned a lot, made our supply chain operations more, more resilient. But I do think, um, I don't think we go back to the world as we knew it 10 years ago, but uh, things starting to normalize. Looking at Honeywell, mm-hmm. you know, how are we transforming our supply chains to be more res- resilient and also to drive growth? Yeah, historically, Honeywell had... Um, a supply chain that was primarily focused around um, single sources of supply. So we were very exposed to single suppliers, um, sole sourcing, and we've done this over many years just, just to drive productivity. And we changed that um, approach completely. So we probably now are maybe 60% single sourced. We used to be almost 90% single sourced. So, so we really spent a lot of time and effort to make our supply chain more resilient, more stable, and to um, hedge our bets a little bit. And then uh, new technologies. Um, how is AI coming into the picture? Oh, um, you know, AI is all the rage. And um, But um, we about a year ago, we already started thinking about where can we actually use this? What's the, what's the use case? So what we've done is we looked at our entire supply chain end-to-end, and uh, we mapped it out and we came up with probably 200 use cases. And it's a, it's a, it's a massive amount of use cases. So then we um, compared this to what are potential impacts. So where can we actually have benefit? How quickly could we deploy things, that, things like AI? And um, so we started in customer experience, actually. Mm-hmm. And we started with a customer experience, um, some sort of a co-pilot that helps an agent to find out order status, to find out what they need to know about a certain customer. And um, we deployed it. We started to deploy this in the summertime of last year. And we are fully deployed now. So that was the first use case. The second use case is uh, where we help our um, technical support people. Mm-hmm. to find the technical information when they have to solve a problem for a customer. And we did this at the same timeline. So I do think um, those are very, very encouraging uh, re- um, examples and results. And uh, for this year, what we made a decision that every sub-function in supply chain, like procurement, planning, logistics, has two to three use cases they have to de- uh, deploy AI to um, because uh, we feel it's the future. It's a new technology. Um, experiences are awesome. Really, they are really awesome. Um, it's not very expensive to deploy this. 
And uh, I actually have a little bit of FOMO here because I know somebody will do it. And uh, this is a first mover advantage that, that I believe we have as Honeywell. I don't, I'm not aware of any other company that does that at that scale and at that speed. Mm-hmm. Great. I, I love the examples you gave too of empowering our people. That's right. You know, to That's have right. information at their fingertips and um, be able to answer questions quickly. Um, what about sustainability? How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's another trend. And um, as, as you know, we have uh, reorganized our entire company um, around megatrends and uh, energy transition is, is one of them. And, uh, you know, we as a big operation, we um, have always thought about uh, sustainable, what are ways to more sustainably operate. Uh, the, the, the good news is we can use some of our own technology and I get to play with all the, the tools um, firsthand. And uh, we made a lot of progress over the last couple of years, but we have um, a roadmap until 2030 or 2035 how to completely decarbonize our operation. We have a really strong plan for this year, for the next two, three years, and we're working on, on really massive big programs how to decarbonize our operation which is not not easy everybody can understand to to let's say create sustainable electricity um, solar panels I mean that that's what everybody knows but if you have large burners furnaces they are natural gas powered so how do you decarbonize this and those are big programs that um, we and I see um, are taking on um, we in the company have uh, set aside a special a capital budget for this to help um, decarbonize the company over the next couple of years. And we have to do this because, you know, our customers want that the same technology from us. So it's, it's very, very important for us that we are uh, very progressive there and that we are trailblazers and just, just in our own right. Yeah. So Honeywell on Honeywell. That's right. We're, we're using our technology to achieve the same goals mm-hmm. that we know our customers need to meet. Exactly. Yeah. And methane as well, right? You talked about decarbonization. That's right. Methane's Nat- another big methane, one. Methane, natural gas, you know, all, all these, um, you know, non-electricity kind of sources of greenhouse gases, uh, refrigerants. Think about it. We have an awesome refrigerant business with very, very low, um, um, potential greenhouse gas uh, potential, and uh, we we are on a on a on a on a, on a huge program to really um, revamp our entire operation using all these new technologies. Nice, and I, I love the uh, the commitment, right? Securing budget. I mean, supply chain is a it's it's a competitive advantage, uh, and um, it's 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 great that we're investing like this in in supply chain excellence. That's Thank right. you. Yep. Um, when you think about, you know, g- sharing advice maybe with some other leaders out there who are trying to transform their supply chains, what do you what do you want to tell them? Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> I talk to uh, colleagues and other companies all the time what they do and what we do. And uh, there's one thing I believe um, in particular when it comes to a digital transformation. I do think we are really a leading um, leading company out there. I don't, I'm not aware of any other large-scale industrial company that does it at that speed and at that scale. Well, that's the good news. Um, the other good news is uh, we also learned a lot, and others can probably benefit from this. And I get this, asked this question all the time. And, and um, you know, you have to think about this as a multi-year endeavor. There's no such thing as just kind of quickly transform something. That's not how this works. It's not a real, you know 
incremental improvement, we are really talking a transformation. And the first step you want to take is, in particular, to simplify and harmonize your data infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And we've done this a couple of years ago, and we've building on this now for probably two, three years. You know, our, our employees know the term EDW, the Enterprise Data Warehouse, and that's a foundational building block to do this. And once you have this, then you can really go into what are transactions, what are decisions that you want to digitize and, and, and move forward with this. So, so my, my, my take always is it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time and uh, you need a commitment for, um, of, of, for the entire organization needs to be committed to doing this. If you do this as the supply chain organization alone, that's not going, going to work. So the entire company has to um, be part of it and has to understand what the benefits are, uh, why we are doing this, and that this is a long-term commitment. But once you are in this in this um, environment and everybody is bought in, it's actually a lot of fun because you see a lot of progress that's that's being made in a very short period of time. So, I mean, Honeywell's known for their uh, innovation in autonomy, mm -hmm. right? Um, we talked a little bit about data. We talked some about AI. Right. Certainly, supply chain yeah. um, can benefit from autonomy. What about that? Well, look, supply chain fundamentally is simple because you just balance supply and demand, right? Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's pretty complicated. Now, um, eventually, uh, a supply chain will run autonomous because it's math. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's just math. And um, it's very complicated math. And it's um, you have a lot of parameters and a lot of um, factors you have to take into account. But eventually, it will be solved as a math problem. And that's why it's so important for us to really think about how can we run a more autonomous operation. And we are already on, the, on, a, on, a, on a good trajectory to get there. And if you think about it, how we um, forecast things, you know, we need to anticipate things. So th those are all elements that play into an autonomous operation. And uh, if you think about a plant, a factory, you know, to run an automated production line is some sort of an autonomy. Now, if you stitch this all together into one big autonomous operation, this is where we're all headed. So I think about, you know, the, the people out there, maybe in school right now, mm -hmm. pursuing degrees in finance or supply chain or digital IT initiatives. What would you say to them? Uh, you know, talk about kind of the opportunities here because it's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, I do think, you know, if you if you are a, um, if if you are in this field already, um, the exciting piece is it's it's going to be one of the areas in in your in your life where where you will be part of something that hasn't been done before. That's I think that's pretty cool. The other thing is it has so many different aspects. You know, it has you mentioned finance, but finance and supply chain is tied to the hip. It's you know because you make decisions that impact the financials of a company all day long. But you have other aspects, logistics, planning, procurement. Um, the piece I like most about supply chain is I get to touch almost every other aspect of the company. I work very closely with our friends in sales, marketing, um, R&D. You know, this, this is all because our decisions, they all influence what, what, how these functions operate. So it's really a Supply chain of today is no longer really a where you have very narrow functional expertise, yeah. but it's more a systems engineering, a systems approach that you have to take. And um, I do think that's something that's that's unique, that's new. But this is what 
in particular younger um, employees and younger professionals actually like that they that it's not so narrow that they can do many different things and the the future is what they make of it. <laughs> I love that. Of course, you mentioned customer in mm -hmm. in what you just spoke about as well, and I think you know thinking of supply chain as a growth driver. Right. Can you give us a little more about that? Well, look, we, the, the reason why we exist is because we act on behalf of a customer. A customer has a desire, a demand, they need something, want something, and we actually make it happen. We create a product, we deliver something, we provide a service, things like that. So, so if, if we do a really good job, and the customer's happy, it's good for the customer, it's good for us. If we do a crappy job, the opposite happens. So that means um, it's it's an absolutely foundational capability of a company to have a very high-performing supply chain. If we don't, um, then a company will not cannot be successful. And there are a multitude of examples in the industrial world and retail where um, a supply chain is actually the enabler of a successful business. And um, I do think the interest um, over the last couple of years that you've seen that many people now have in supply chain comes from the fact that they all of a sudden understood, oh, if a supply chain doesn't really function really well, then um, something else is not working. And me as a, it impacts me as a customer. Many people are waiting, were waiting for 12 months on a refrigerator. And uh, so, so you, you, people, the, the broader organization now understands how important this is. Absolutely. If, if the last four years have done anything, it's definitely highlighted that. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the excitement of being at in the supply chain, you right. know, uh, function at this, this kind of point in history. Um, when you look back, mm -hmm. you were a young kid. What did you want to be when you grew up? Is, is this what you intended or was there something else? Well, I'm actually, my background is chemical engineering. So I actually never studied really supply chain. So I, 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 I'm a chemical engineer and I, and I, um, in, when I developed my career, I, at some point, got really interested in operations and I, and I felt this was something I really wanted to do because it's, I got to um, touch a lot of different things. I have to do, I have to do many things to do with people. So I, I found this really interesting. And this is how I got into this. And, and you couldn't even study really supply chain management at that time. You know, we have probably five programs in the world and now I have 5,000. Um, but even before that, I actually wanted to become a brewmaster. A brewmaster. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So are you, going to fulfill that dream at any point? Yes. Uh, look, I'm, um, once you have a passion for something, it never leaves you. And um, the same happened to me. So I'm, I'm not a professional brewmaster, but I'm somehow an amateurish brewmaster. So I, I built a tiny little, little brewery in my garage. And um, so a couple of times a year, there's brew day. And uh, so then that's what happens. This is where the magic happens. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. For more stories on the people and innovations shaping what's next in business and life, subscribe to The Future Is and leave us a review where you listen to podcasts.